Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question while providing real solutions for biblical world and life view. Your host is Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor and founder of the Chalcedon Teacher Training Institute. Today, I'm happy to have a returning guest to this podcast, Dr. Red Bergeron, who will share with us the reason for his upcoming medical conference to be held in February in Atlanta, Georgia. And it will have as its focus kind of what we're going to talk about today in general. Is it possible to recover a biblical view of healthcare? Dr. Rett, thanks for joining me once again. Well, thank you. It's a privilege to be here, and I'm excited about our our interview today. And of course, I'm excited about the uh, Faith and Medicine Conference uh, coming up next month in February. Right. And we'll give all the details on that at the end. But Calcedon's founder, R.J. Rush Juni, in implementing a perspective that says every area of life and thought needs to be submitted to Jesus Christ and his law word. But he was the first to acknowledge that he was not the final um, answer to it, he, that he had not fleshed out every area where God's word needs to dominate, predominate, and be the rule. And that's why I've always appreciated your perspective, because as a physician, you sort of knew where your marching orders were going to take you on this and that you were going to endeavor to promote a biblical view of medicine, but more importantly, healthcare in general. So this conference that's coming up is not your first conference, is it? That is correct. It, it is our third conference. And of course, the this it's been annual. And so our first conference was in 2021. And, uh, and each year it's grown a little bit and has been a blessing to many people. It's been quite rewarding to me, even months after the conference took place, that a number of people who attended and, and healthcare practitioners who uh, attended, they have continued to report uh, what a blessing the conference was to them. And I think as you as you would guess that often in in our american society in the american church these the, the the scriptures and all of the word of god are not applied effectively to healthcare and so it was refreshing to many people to see things differently and to try to develop a biblical view of of healthcare and so I think what the conference really does is identify the fact that there's a need for ongoing discussion. Um, you can't get solutions until you correctly identify problems, correct? Absolutely is the case. So I've had occasion to, in my teaching and mentoring, to meet people who have left or sort of left. I don't, they've never left in their mind the healthcare industry, whether as nurses or doctors, because quite frankly, they didn't see how as Christians they fit in. So what would you say to those people and others who have always felt the call on their life to go into healthcare or medicine? How does a Christian maneuver through this? this water? First of all, 
we need to be discerning as to what is the current state of healthcare. And often, but not necessarily always, we may need to go outside of the camp, as the phrase goes, to do healthcare or provide healthcare in a way that uh, is honoring and subdue, subdued to Christ and honoring and loving to others, we just may need to go outside of the current system. Uh, I think we can certainly work inside the system and different, you know, corporate entities, uh, hospital settings and clinics. But I think we need to always remember that, that we can sometimes do better outside of the system, build it on a solid foundation so I think that's how Christians can fit in. Sometimes they have to, need to have a vision of a, of a separate entity that operates biblically. That's my first uh, advice. Okay, so I see this as being double-sided. On the one hand, you have people who will encounter emergencies or health issues. You know, you break your arm, you're not pretty much going to be able to just ask your next door neighbor, please set this for me. So I do see, and I've heard acknowledged that emergency medicine is among the best of what we have now, but that a lot of people don't have confidence as a result of some of the bad information that has been promulgated, that they're not really ready to just go to any doctor because he or she has MD after their name, correct? Yes, so, so to your point, with acute, urgent, and emergent matters, our Western medical system often provides the best care that is even possible. And so without any doubt, we go to the emergency room, not for every little thing, but for, for certainly truly emergent matters that are certainly life-threatening. That's where we go. But I would I would say to all listeners of this broadcast that when you – when any person you know needs to be in, t- in the emergency room or in a hospital, we never, ever leave them alone. We must be advocating at their side. And even sometimes when we're in a hospital setting, our primary care physician might need to be available to us so we can get their perspective on what's going in the hospital because you cannot always trust the hospital system. And in, in the last number of years, I have experienced and many of my patients and clients have reported they are, it is awful what is happening in many hospital uh, centers today. And you can't trust the medical system and they need to know that you're watching and that even someone outside of the system, whether it's a, a primary care doctor or, or even a lawyer, you know, is watching them and keeping them accountable. Right. And that's a real shift because people traditionally within the last, I don't know, 50, 100 years always had this special, they trusted their doctor, you know, ask your doctor, check with your doctor. And so the doctor had a position, whether or not he or she should have had that position, he or she did. But now with people being told you can't go in to see your loved one who's in intensive care or whatever, and many people have died alone. Um, I know people who say, uh, 
I don't think I would ever go to the hospital if something was wrong. I think I would take my chances outside of that. And that's not probably the best view to have um, in terms of an ideal situation. Correct. But I would say this, if you have a healthcare professional as a primary care physician that you can call on and get their expert opinion as to when you do need to go, that's the ideal situation. But oftentimes people run into a hospital administration, so they feel that as soon as they get in the door, the rules of the hospital then prevail, and they don't want to be left in that situation. I've heard too many people say, I will never do this. Um, And as a result, you might think that, well, then they're not doing the best for themselves or their family, but you understand their considerations. I I do, but I've also seen where... If, if, a, if a patient or, their, or a family has some concerns about what they're experiencing, then quickly you tell the hospital staff that you want to speak to someone in, administrate, in administration because you have some medical legal concerns about what the, the level of care they're providing and that it may not be truly up to the standard of care and it may not be ethical Usually you will get their attention when you start asking to see the administrator. I see. Okay. That's good to know. And then on the other side of the coin you mentioned earlier, there's the ongoing day-to-day preventive and chronic care aspect of healthcare. And and that's where, you know, I think the conventional hospital system is, you know, doesn't service that well. And so my advice to our listeners is find healthcare practitioners no matter whether they're a medical physician, a chiropractor, um, a nutritionist, a naturopathic doctor, a whole variety of people that have proven themselves in the community to be effective and what they're doing and guiding people and teaching and motivating and keeping them accountable. Uh, that's where our ongoing preventive and even some, most of our chronic care should take place in these types of uh, scenarios. And in looking over the itinerary for your conference, I can see you spend a lot of time and you brought in speakers who will address that and really communicate to people that your health and wellness is not somebody else's responsibility. It's yours. That is 100% the case. Um, God gave us the gift of life, uh, the blessing of health, the ability to heal, and and it's not going to happen through you know, pharmaceutical drugs, they may have a place, but ultimately our bodies are designed to heal in some level, some capacity. It's not infinite. And yes, it's first our responsibility. And then unfortunately I've often come to say that your health's too important to trust to a doctor. (laughs) The sad thing is that's become true. As as you alluded to earlier, I think 50, a hundred years ago, People could trust physicians much easier, but today I think a physician has to prove themselves or a hospital system has to prove that they're even worth trusting at this point. Well, yeah, people check out mechanics in a way that in the past they didn't check out doctors. It's just, well, he's a doctor. Uh, My father, I think I mentioned in the past to you, was a general practitioner. He used to make house calls and I used to joke with him. I would say, I don't understand the big thing about doctors. It says you're practicing medicine. You probably haven't gotten it right yet since you're still practicing. And he would laugh and he says, that's truer than you know. 
Yes. Now, one thing I want to point out about this Faith in Medicine Conference, this is primarily about the Christian faith and how it speaks to all of life, but particularly healthcare, and how we can we can use God's word and we can hear these presentations so that we can begin to develop or mature in our Christian worldview. The conference is more about the Christian faith as it applies to healthcare. It's not really about healthcare. It's not about alternative versus versus conventional medicine. It's really about the Christian faith and how it applies to healthcare. But I think that it, it the emphasis seems to be instead of being reactive, this is happening here and it's bad, or this is happening here and this is concerning. It is how do you build a world and life view that includes people being responsible for their health and wellness. And when you need to call in someone to help you, um, what kind of person do you want and what kind of world and life view does that person hold? Correct. And that goes back to the, the question that you and I discussed earlier about can we recover a biblical view of healthcare? And my three part answer is yes, of course, and we must. <laughs> we, we really don't have a choice if we're going to each of us submit ourselves to the word of God and honor Christ. We have to endeavor to do this. And I think, as you mentioned earlier, and this has been foundational to the uh, Chalcedon Foundation, we have to start with the Lordship of Christ over all things and that the word of Christ applies to every part of life. And it certainly it, it applies to healthcare. So I think that's, that's how we start this endeavor. Um, and as I, I was thinking about this question in the last few days, I, we can remember the words uh, of Christ in Hebrews and in the book of John, where it says that, that thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Well, that principle needs to be thought about in terms of healthcare. Where is, where is righteousness and where is unrighteousness? We have to discern these things. And then, of course, if we're going to base our life on truth and our health care on truth, we have to remember that the ultimate truth of all of life is the word of God. And I have to remember the words of Christ. And when he, he tells us that every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is what we're to think about life and what we're to, to practice. So. I'm not really done with the patient side of our discussion and we'll get into the healthcare provider side in a second, but I think too many people, and I would say that this is even true. Those who profess Christ as their savior and Lord decide that dying is the worst thing that could happen to them and that any method, anything that's proposed. And I know you're going to have some speakers who deal with this whether it's a transplant, whether it's, um, you know, doing something that uh, makes use of research that came from aborted children, their view is, well, God doesn't want me to die. I mean, I'm supposed to do everything I can to stay alive. And yet for the Christian, that's a very odd thing to say, considering what the next step is after death. That is a great point or a great question or subject matter to bring up uh, I think you're, you're another way of saying that is that 
as a person is growing in their Christian faith and we're growing to love Christ above all, we ought to naturally have this, uh, this growing desire to be with Christ. And so as we, as we get nearer to the end of life, we should not be hanging on so dear to this side of, of eternity uh, that we'll do anything to stay here. And so, that, first of all, that's one point. We, we, we should greatly desire to be with Christ and be looking forward to it gradually as we mature in our life. Uh, I also think that whatever the, whatever the therapy that we're considering, we need to consider it or, or analyze it in, in the context of the Word of God. And, for example, just because a therapy is available doesn't mean necessarily it's ethical or even that it's the right thing for me to do. And then the other thing to remember, some of these newer therapies are extremely expensive. And so we have to be careful about what effect will a certain therapy have on my family. If it break, bankrupts a family, that, you know, that needs to be thought about. Exactly. You know, years ago, um, I would visit this elderly woman in the hospital. She was a devout Christian. Her husband had um, been called into the ministry by Cornelius Van Til. So she, she was very solid in her faith, but she was ready to go whenever God took her. And the doctor came in to visit her once when I was there with her and she wanted to communicate to him that she was ready to die. And she was saying, doctor, I just want you to know I- I'm ready to die. And of course he didn't exactly understand what she was saying. He looked at her and said, I'm really glad, ma'am, but I'm not going to help you. And. <laughs> She said, no, no, I'm not asking you to end my life. I just want to let you know that I'm at peace. And she actually made it an opportunity to share her faith with the doctor. But I know so many people who will say, no matter what, we've got to try this new thing and we've got to try this new thing. And their life isn't improved as they try these new things. In actual fact, they become more isolated from their family because then they become more vulnerable in a health situation. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes that that attitude or that thinking of I've got to try anything and everything. You know, it may be that it, it really is evidence that this person is not really ready to die. So sometimes yeah. we have to take that. I mean, in, in other words, it, it ought to when a Christian faces a serious uh, end of life possibility, it, it ought to be a wonderful opportunity to re- to examine their soul and and ask, am I really looking forward to being with Christ? Why am I hanging on so dear? Um, so anyway, sometimes it's evidence that we're not really ready to die. We're not quite mature as we should be. And maybe we, we're attached to some of the things of this world and this life more than we need to be. Right. And on the flip side, I've heard just as many people say, well, if something happens to me, I don't want to be a burden so they can pull the plug. That in and of itself isn't a biblical world and life view. It's not like check off boxes and you're fine. These are things that need to be considered by individuals and families ahead of the time. So they're not just thinking about it in the midst of a crisis. Wouldn't you say that that's a good way to proceed? Yes. Yes. And, 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 but yes, I am. But I also think that some of these situations and, and possible technologies to extend life or, or treat somebody, they could be sometimes fairly complicated. And so, yes, we should try to think ahead 
about some of these matters, but I also think just importantly is who can we call on in that time of need who can help me think through it? And and it it may not always be a healthcare provider. They may not be available, but it, but at least a a pastor, elder, or physician, we should identify the person that we're going to call on because you're you know it always it seems to come up unexpectedly, and all of a sudden you've got to start thinking about these very serious decisions. So. Again, I think we need to have a pastor, elder, or and or physician already identified that can help us think through the issue. And that involves people being knowledgeable about various procedures and what's involved, from transplantation to blood transfusion to all sorts of things. I don't think it's fair to say I only will educate myself at the point that I'll need it. It's much Correct. better to understand the terrain and then evaluate procedures and processes based on God's word because God isn't silent on any of this. Correct. Okay. So we've dealt with the patient. Now let's deal with people who legitimately felt they were called to go into medicine. But for example, in my state, a doctor's not allowed to tell somebody the truth about a procedure or whether or not a person should take that um, vaccination or whatever it is that they risk losing certification and licensing from their medical board. What's your advice to somebody who finds himself between this rock and a hard place? So the, the uh, <clears throat> age old issues of, of conscience and um, civil disobedience and being prayerful and careful about those matters. But, you know, first of all, I would say a, a healthcare practitioner has to answer first to Christ. And second of all, I would say that there are ways to communicate to your patients or clients, however you want to refer to them. You can, there are ways to communicate certain things that are important to them Um and I, and I still think we can be effective. We just have to use a lot of discretion and wisdom about how we do that. Right. So the primary so impetus for a healthcare person is to glorify God and to help the person in front of them. And so if that's the, the way you're approaching it, I think anybody who's struggling at this point should make a point of attending your conference um, because this is going to put them in touch with like-minded people. And you have, as I looking at the itinerary, you have a full Friday and a full Saturday, and it's hard to think of a topic you're not covering. Tell us a little bit about some of your speakers and such. I will. And, I'll, and let me make a note that not only most of the attendees may be attending in person, but the conference is also available uh, through live streaming. And that registration can be found on the on the conference website, which is faithinmedicine.org. So we have a, a variety of mostly pastors and physicians and biblical counselors who are speaking at the conference. Um it's a, it's a, even though the, the overarching theme is, uh, recovering a, uh, biblical worldview in healthcare, uh, 
that's a that's a very large you know general subject. So we try to pick a few you know different topics. For example, uh, Pastor Chris Strevel uh, of Atlanta, Georgia, is going to be speaking about how do we view illness from a biblical perspective. Um, we will also talk about the importance of of what we do at home in our in our homes in our family lives that promotes healing. You know, a lot of times we think healings happens at a hospital or because of a doctor in his office. Well, most of what we do day to day happens at home. And so taking responsibility as individuals and as families and even as communities and what we do at home is very important. So we have a presentation uh, about that. We will also have presentations about how do we how does being a Christian affect our our mindset? and our motivation for taking responsibility for health. Uh, We will also have a couple uh, biblical counselors, uh, you know, looking at the issues of depression and anxiety and how biblical counseling fits in with the medical model of quote, treating patients with depression and anxiety. And then of course we have another physician who is going to demonstrate how he has worked out the gospel in his in his own work by working with inner city uh, population who don't have good access to health care. And so he's opened a, a clinic that reaches out to people and provides medical and dental care and nutritional support. Uh, so we have an example of a, you might say, a, 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 a U.S. medical missions in a in an inner city. Which is um, very biblical in as much as it's a way to reach people that if they are in need, you help them and then you gain the opportunity to share with them about their eternal life one way or the other. Now I will mention to you that um, I'm very eager to uh, for all these presentations to take place. Uh, Two of them I would like to just highlight at this moment. Uh, One is from Martin Selbridi of the Cal Stephen foundation uh, he was uh, to be our guest uh, last year, but was prevented uh, providentially. So we've waited, you know, more than a year for this presentation. And uh, it's going to be, of course, uh, uh, the Christian faith, you know, applied to all of life and, and applied to healthcare. And then lastly, our, our, you know, speaker, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough will be, you know, kind of reviewing with us the issues of covid uh, the, you know, the lack of effective treatment, uh, the issue with vaccines and their safety, um, and, and the issue of taking personal responsibility and healthcare freedom. So, um, particularly looking, uh, forward to both of those two, uh, presentations. So it seems to me that this is not just for healthcare providers. This is for anybody and everybody who in the last number of years, have come to the conclusion that I need to know more than I knew before and that it's not just um, okay to say, well, this person says it, it must be true. But I do have a question in terms of for those of us who interact with a lot of people who still seem to think that if the FDA or my doctor says this is the right thing. Who am I to argue? After all, I didn't go to medical school. And by the way, neither did you. So how, how do you think people will wake up to the idea 
that um, what we've been told and what we've accepted isn't the only option and in many cases not even the best option. Well, unfortunately, many people are waking up because they're they're seeing or experiencing the atrocities of American healthcare and the abuse of power from government, from corporations, from various institutions on every level, as it somehow was related to COVID. So, unfortunately, people are, are, are really becoming alarmed. And they're waking up for that reason. But on a, on a, on a different level, I would like to just relay when I, when I started medical school, I, one of the, one of the principles that I entered medical school was, was with the verse that Paul uh, wrote in Thessalonians when, it, when he said to um, uh, prove all things, hold fast to that, which is good. And sometimes in my mind, I I substitute the word good, you know, hold fast that which is good or right or true. Mm -hmm. And I think that even though that principally Paul was speaking about the the, the true Christian faith about Christ, but I also think it applies to there's nothing in this world in life that that principle doesn't apply to. So we have whether it's, you know, our finances, our investments our homes, our property, our health care, it doesn't matter. Everything must be uh, proven. And just as, for example, in the New Testament, often when the apostles say, test the spirits, uh, identify false teachers, well, we could say the same thing applies to identify false health care practitioners, those are, that are doing it for the wrong reason uh, or that are using unethical therapies, um, in any place in life, we need to be examining every aspect of life and looking at it from a truly detailed biblical worldview and then building our life and our, our health care on that. So you touched on something that I alluded to before, but you said it better, that there are some therapies that are available that are unethical. And if you don't get an opportunity to think it through before you're prevent, before you're presented with this option, oftentimes I've seen people make decisions that they later regret because they said, I, I just didn't have time to decide. This is what was offered to me. And I was told that if we didn't do this, then my son or daughter would die. So in dealing with the ethics of certain procedures, is that going to be discussed? by at least some of your speakers at this conference? It, it will be discussed in particular. One of our uh, guest um, presenters and, and on a panel is Dr. Heidi Klessig. Um, we will be discussing that. And what we're hoping to do is, God willing, in 2024, this exact subject matter that you've just brought up will be a bigger part of that year's conference um, so we plan to do more with that because it's a truly, a, 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 you know, a large area. And one thing, one specific example I might mention, it's not so much that it's unethical, but you take the issue of blood transfusions today with so many people having received the COVID vaccine. There's a great deal of concern that the 
various aspects of, of that vaccine are now in the blood supply. And there's, there's great concern about what effects it might have in some people. So that's not so much an issue that's about what's unethical, but the issue is, is the blood supply as safe as, you know, we were told to believe. So right. that's a very difficult issue that's going on right now every day. And we need to, and, and if you're, if you have a weaker health, you know, level of health, or you're at risk for certain conditions, then, then it's possible that the blood supply that includes, you know, the different particles and antigens from the COVID vaccine may have a serious side effect in your case. Which goes back to the idea that we need to live our lives before the throne of God and examine everything that we do. But also, there are plenty of people who now realize that maybe I shouldn't have done this or that. We still have the gospel of Jesus Christ to minister to people. And if they leave this world prematurely, which, of course, I think you'll agree, nobody really leaves prematurely because God ordains all things. They haven't lost the um, eternal connection with the Lord. And it's true. Sometimes you make bad decisions and there are bad consequences, but that's the sort of thing that you can approach with confidence if you know that your Redeemer liveth and he will be with you even at the end of this life. And, and there's even confidence that if you're, if you're endeavoring to live carefully and faithfully every day of your life and every part of life, that, that, that example is being watched by your family and your, and your, your, those around you. So that's another way to, it's another, another aspect of all this to think about is not just about you and your lifespan and your health, but what's your testimony before other people. Right. The fact is, there are some things that go beyond us, and that's why we seek first the kingdom. So tell me about the panel discussion that will wrap up the conference. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's we're still formulating the exact questions or subject matters for that panel. Um, but, uh, but I will mention one of the physicians who attended that particular, uh, panel discussion and she was in the audience. She told me six months later that out of the entire conference, that was the, 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 the part of the conference that was the greatest blessing to her. Um, so, you know, we will take the word of God and, and look at, every issue you can, every different aspect of of different issues. Uh, So it's a little bit more, um, there's just more freedom to discuss the issue. Um, There's no script. Of course, all of our speakers are are free to speak their mind. Um, I wish I could give you more detail, but we're in the, we're in the final, you know, moments of finalizing the details of that panel. Right. Oh yeah, that's fine. I mean, anybody who's ever, organized a conference knows that um, <laughs> you're just as surprised as anybody else when it pull, comes off and everything went smoothly so that you still have to work out these details. So give the contact information again and how people can either attend in person or online and if there'll be recordings of the various speakers. So the 
main thing to remember is the, the conference website, faithandmedicine.org. And registration can be uh, accomplished through that website. There's, there's the option of in-person and live streaming participation. Uh, there's also the, uh, the option of attending only Friday night with Dr. Peter McCullough. Uh, other questions can be, you know, we can be emailed on that through that website and we'll be glad to answer those. And the other, uh, final matter is that the, the, uh, the con, the panel and Q and A session is, is, uh, a separate event and further details can be found on the, on the website in regards to that. And the website also has information for those who will attend in person, where to stay, where to eat, things like that. It does. That is correct. Right. And I would just put out there to those who are listening, if you have people in your congregation or your family who are leaning towards medicine and healthcare or are already involved, consider scholarshiping, if that's a word, I just made scholarship a verb, but consider scholarshiping them for this conference so that they can meet and rub elbows with people who have already thought a lot of this through and could probably serve as mentors or advisors for them as they proceed. Because you confirm for me that this is true or not. When people get together who come together because they have mutual interest, a lot of things happen and, and it's like fire spreading or it goes viral, you might say, in terms of connections. And that's probably one of the most advantageous part of any conference. Yes, I agree. And there's just a greater synergy um, of of people fellowshipping and sharing their experiences and their wisdom. And so um, hopefully, you know, deep and lifelong relationships are established and all of that pours out into each everyone's local community. Yeah. And I think for young people, especially, um, I think that there are a lot of uh, young people who have been homeschooled or gone to Christian school and they're leery and correctly so about going into the secular world to get credentialed or educated or trained. And so I, I would hope that um, you would have a fair number of young people in their teams, in their teens who are looking forward to whether it's being an EMT, a nurse, a doctor, a hospice worker, whatever it's going to be, um, that they see that this can be done from a biblical world and life view. And as you said, it must be done. Yes. And, and one final thing before I have to go see my, my next patient. Yes. Uh, we are actually on Saturday morning. We're having a special two hour, uh, breakout session just for, you know, young adults, adolescents who are typically in high school and they are interested in, in, in exploring the work and the calling into healthcare. So we have a panel of, of physicians, nurses, nurse practitioners, uh, chiropractors, dentists who will be presenting to them and answering questions about that matter. That particular session will not be live streamed though we, but based off, we'll make sure we try to record it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we are doing that at this conference. Okay, very good. Well, doctor, I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. I'm really excited to see how this has grown. I remember 2021, it was an, uh, a much smaller endeavor, but you never despise the day of small beginnings, do you? We never do. And uh, 
And as one of our friends uh, reminded me, we're, we were planting a, a, a tree, a small tree at that time, and praying for God to grow it and bless it. Very good. Listeners, if you have any questions about the conference, go to the website that Dr. Bergeron referred you to. You can also contact out of the question podcast at gmail.com if there are any questions that weren't answered. And thanks for listening. And doctor, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to out of the question. For more information on this and other topics, please visit calcedon.edu.